talking with someone who recently had the chance to meet the Chuck Norris. You know Chuck Norris, the guy who doesn't do push-ups. He pushes the ground down, right? The guy who can squeeze lemonade out of an orange or orange juice out of a lime. The guy who they say, Chuck Norris, likes his meat so rare he only eats unicorn. You'll get it when you get home. They say there used to be a street called Chuck Norris, but they had to change the name because nobody crosses Chuck Norris. You need a good laugh, go home and Google Chuck Norris facts, and even today they're still kind of funny. But as I was having this conversation with this person, I remember the time that I had the chance to meet Chuck Norris. I was in school, and he came to do a presentation. There were about 30 or 40 of us, and he had some Q&A time, and everybody around me were like, All the things you could ask somebody like Chuck Norris. You know what I asked him? What was it like to fight Bruce Lee? Yeah. You've seen that one, huh? And he went on, he talked about having to train and, and do all this other kind of stuff. And I also remembered, do you know why there are more Chuck Norris jokes than there are Bruce Lee jokes? Because Bruce Lee ain't no joke. being silly, but of course, I was thinking about that because we tend to have, don't we, this liking for a good fight. Of all the things to ask Chuck Norris, what was it like to fight Bruce Lee? We like a good fight. Most of the things we read, certainly most of the movies we watch, there's a part of the story where it's going along and we're learning the people and the places and the circumstances. But all of that is only building up to the climax of the story. And so often the climax of the story is what? A fight. It's that chance where good and bad come together. We've already picked our sides. We already know who we want to win. And now it's time to just watch the fight go And some of us who say no, we still know that the climax is the fight that goes on. And what happens at the end of the story, after we have the climax, after we have the fight, in the movie, like everything else is kind of boring, isn't it? We have to tie up some loose ends. The guy gets the girl. They ride off into the sunset. Boo-hoo, bleh. Credits roll. Well, I'm convinced, friends, that many of us read the book of Revelation in much the same kind of way. We are sure that the battle between good and evil, between God and the beast, is the climax. It's the big part that we've been waiting for, everything up to then, which is building up so that we could have this cosmic battle. Do you remember last week or a couple of weeks ago, we sang something together. We said that we were going to lay down our sword and shield down by the riverside. And then we said that we weren't going to study war no more. We have to sing it again. You were there, weren't you? We're going to lay down our swords and shields by the riverside, and we are going to stop studying 
war. But you know what? We haven't stopped. Because we still like to see a good fight. And so we read the book of Revelation and we think, man, I can't wait to see this battle. And we realize that God is going to tear that beast up. But that's the thing. We already know what's going to happen in that battle. That battle is not the climax. Remember last week we said that the point of Revelation is not that we win. It's not that God wins. It's that God has already won. This battle that God's about to have is not the high point of the story. The tour of New Jerusalem is the highlight. The tour of this great city 1,500 miles wide, long, and high. That is the highlight of the book of Revelation. That is the climax of the entire story of Scripture. I don't know if you know this, but there are 404 verses in the book of Revelation. And somewhere up to 280 of them are almost direct lines from other parts of the Bible. And so when we take that into consideration, what we see is that ever since Genesis. Ever since the beginning, God has been moving towards something. God created the world in Genesis 1. Some stuff happened in between. Hope you're going to Bible study and Sunday school to figure that stuff out. And here we are finally at the end of Revelation. And you know what God has done? Made everything new. Friends, that climax of our story. That is the most exciting thing that happens in the book of Revelation. The most exciting thing, the most fulfilling thing that happens even in all of Scripture. It happens at the very end of the book of Revelation in some of the last sentences. And so if you think about a movie or a book, you get to that high point and then the boring stuff comes, but you still got a little ways to get through the boring stuff. But here at the very end of Revelation, we have the most victorious image we could have. God making all things new. There's not much room left in the sentences that follow for a lot of boring stuff. So you know what that means? Do you know what's boring about the book of Revelation? Okay, you and I, but it's more dramatic if I do it that way first, right? Because we read the book of Revelation, if we read the book of Revelation, and we think, man, that was weird. I'm glad I'm done with that. Hope I never have to read that again. That's some weird stuff that that book has to say. You close it, move on. You and I are the boring part of the book of Revelation. Sometimes we read it and we think, I don't want to read that again because everything that's going on in there is so scary. It's so weird. All it wants to do is talk about the end of the world. I don't want to read that. But would it surprise you if I were to suggest to you right now this morning that the book of Revelation is not about the end of the world? The book of Revelation is not about the end of the world. You see, 
there have been countless predictions, countless scenarios that people have taken from presumably the book of Revelation about how the world was going to end and when it was going to end, who was going to be, all, be involved, so on and so forth. And we've seen dates in hen's eggs. We've seen stuff in, in, in comets. We've worried about computers, and the list goes on and on and on. And what we realize now is that every generation since Jesus has thought it was the last generation. And ever since the book of Revelation was written, and other books like it, every generation since then has said, hey, you see what's happening to us right now? That's exactly what the book predicted would happen. But you know what? I think we need to stop trying to use the book of Revelation to predict stuff. To figure out who is who and what's going to happen next. You see, the book of Revelation, friends, is not about the end of the world. It's about something even scarier than that. The book of Revelation is about the end of your world. My world, too, but it's more dramatic, right? Yeah. You remember when in Romans Paul told us that we don't know what we ought to pray for? Maybe you remember. But, but I think Paul is right, because have you ever prayed a prayer similar to this? I, I have, or maybe you've heard it. Uh, you say something like, God, please be with me, or please be with them. Maybe someone's going through a tough time. Maybe someone's dealing with something. Maybe they're just traveling, but God... Please be with them. Let's not pray that anymore. Because that would seem to suggest that maybe God wouldn't be with them. Or that maybe we had to somehow remind God to show up. The reality is every Christmas, you know, my favorite Christmas hymn, Emmanuel, Emmanuel. Probably not the one you're thinking of. If you're falling asleep, it's in him. Hymn 204, you can read the words. But do you remember what Emmanuel means? God is with us. Not even Christmas since you remember. Amen. Emmanuel means God with us. And do you remember what Jesus told us right towards the end of his life here with us? I will be with you some of the time. Always. I will be with you always until the end of the age. See, the reality is, in Jesus' birth, God was saying, I am here. And even at the end of his life with us, Jesus was saying, and I'm not going anywhere. So the prayer is not, God, please be with me. It's, God, you are with me. What does that mean for me? God, you are with me a family that's in trouble, help them, help them to see your presence. Help your presence bring them encouragement and faith and power. The reality is God is already with us. God hasn't gone anywhere. So what are we going to do about it? And it seems to me that the whole book of Revelation is asking that same question. You know, we talk about rapture and all this stuff, about people being brought up. But that doesn't happen in Revelation. You know what actually happens? The vision? 
everything from up here is brought down. You know why? Because God hasn't gone anywhere. And so what does that mean for us? As we live each day in and out, dealing with whatever it is we have to deal with. The point of Revelation is that God is here. It's not about, oh, one day some of us are going to have to take a mark or there's going to be some beast we're going to have to look out for in the future. No, no, no. The idea is, how have we already taken a mark that is not our own? What is already here that is trying to control us, to move us away from our faithfulness to God? In what ways have our life, lives been shaped by what we have wanted to do or by what other people have told us instead of what the Lamb of God has shown us? How are we not living according to the glorious vision of God in our lives? How are we making up our own vision? How, and maybe even why, are we still studying war? We went to Redbox a few weeks ago and got a DVD, was at home watching it, and it was okay. It was a pretty good movie. It was coming along, and right to where it was getting to that climactic scene, right, that big fight that you know is about to go down. You know what happened? The DVD skipped. Oh, I'm on the edge of my seat. I'm like, come on, come on. It went on for seconds. It just stood there. And then it picked up. But you know what happened? It picked up at the very end of the movie. No! I have to watch it. You know why? Because I still love a good fight. For whatever reason. So I'm sitting there trying to get back. And I thought, why am I doing this? I I know what happened. They're standing right here. Obviously the good guy won. Duh. But why do I need to go back and see the fight? And I'm convinced that we also look at the book of Revelation that way uh, as well. We get straight to the end because we know that's the good stuff. And all that stuff in between, all that weird stuff, we'll just skip right through that. Thank you very much because we know how it ends. But you know what? Our life here and now is all about that stuff in between. It's all about that struggle and that fight that is going on through all those energies. Maybe you remember the song that says, everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. Everybody wants to talk about Jesus. Everybody wants to wear a cross. Everybody wants to put churchy stuff up on Facebook. Everybody wants to buy a fish for their car, but nobody wants to take up their cross. You know what happens when you take up your cross? You die. You die. But I'm convinced that John, as he is writing on this island, he's not talking about the end of the world. He's talking about the end of us. You see, and for John, maybe it was living under Rome's control. Maybe it was the part of him and the part of his faith community that were following after the ways of the emperor. 
a little more than they were following after God. Maybe for us something like that is the American dream or something else, that some other vision somebody else has given us, given us that this is the way you live. This is the way you do things. You look out for numero uno and you get by and you do what you have to do. But you know what? That's not the Lamb's way of life, is it? So we have to figure out where it is that we are not living as God's people. Realize I didn't say believing in God, right? Believing in God is the easy part, friends. Look around you. It's the living as God that's difficult. It's the living as God that we realize we have to end our world. Now, reading the book of Revelation can be difficult. It can be uh, terrifying. It can be rough. It can be confusing. But you know what? So is dying to ourselves. So is asking those tough questions about what we've really been faithful to. So is being honest with ourselves about how we have rejected God and our faithfulness to God. But remember the high point of the story is not the struggle, but it's the vision of New Jerusalem. Once we get through that hard part of ending our world day after day, we see finally what God has promised to each one of us today. As you look around this great city, you notice that there are very particular things that John is being shown. And he's telling us because he wants us to look as well as he's been telling us through the whole book. Look at this place. It's got the greatest lighting system ever. Because God is the light of this you know what? There's no church building that you've got to keep up. You don't have to build another restroom in your life. Because this place doesn't have temples. There's no need for it. Isn't that a great way to complete things? We started in the garden. Somehow the church building got in the way, and then God says, we don't need that. And then you look and you see this river of what? Life. see the tree of life with its, with its leaves, which are for the healing of the nation. Now, I told you the dimensions, 1,500 miles high, wide, and long. You know what that means? That is one abundant city, friends. For me, the, the, the greatest part of that vision read through that again, you recognize the walls don't have doors. That reminds me that anybody can come. This vision of new life, renewed life, is for everybody. Every single one of us who hear what God has to tell us. And as we come in and as we are in this city, we become rulers with God. Sometimes we think like the disciples, oh, yes, that's what I've been waiting for. Jesus, remember the story, hey, Jesus, you want us to take care of those guys who are talking about you? Because we can smite them right now on the spot. We've got that power. 
not in this place. You see, in this place, we rule with God. And so that means we rule as God rules. And God has a river of life, and God has leaves that bring healing. And so does he, you know what that means we do as well? We offer life. Revelation is not about the end of the world. It's about the end of your world. And this vision of New Jerusalem is about God's vision for each one of us to live into the hope, the peace, the healing that God wants, not just for you, Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they will have the right to the tree of life and may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs and the sorcerers and the fornicators and murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. It is I, Jesus, who sent my angel to you with this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, And let everyone who hears say, Come. Let anyone who is thirsty, Come. Let anyone who wishes to take the water of life as a gift. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to that person the plagues described in this book. If anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away that person's share in the tree of life and in the holy city which are described in this book. The one who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. And the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with all of the saints. And the very last word of our story is, Amen. Maybe you've sung the song before. Let there be peace on earth and let it begin with... It's a beautiful song. A little backwards, though. Because the peace that we want doesn't, come, doesn't begin with ourselves. It begins with God. But somebody has got to live it. Friends, in closing, I want to remind you that the apocalypse gives us a promise. A promise that there is a better way of life. It also promises that you can live into this way of life. And finally, hopefully we see that it is all worth it. In Jesus' name. 